I was born in the 1900s, and I'm still getting this stuff figured out. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we indeed do pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done right in this room, right in this neighborhood, right in this region as it is in heaven. From you to us, through us, to the people around us that need you so badly. Come to us now with your spirit, by your word. Give us the insights we need, whether little or large, to be able to indeed get up off our chairs and begin to actually follow your son, joining him on his mission, wherever we find ourselves living, working, going to school. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to be back. Some of you are like, I've never seen you before. Yeah, my name is Greg. Good to be here on such a great occasion with little Katrina and her family. Uh, for some of you, you remember me. I was here back in May. You're thinking, oh, no, he's back. Uh, uh, but what we did back in May, we continue to build on uh, starting now and going forward for the next uh, several months. And that is that we're, we're giving us the opportunity, giving St. Paul, giving you the opportunity to make a little adjustment in how we relate to God, his word, and our daily lives. Um, it, it's, it's a habit of particularly North American Christians that we come to church, we hear the word, we understand the word, we believe the word, but we go home and don't, don't do the word. <laughs> I'm not talking about your church, I'm talking about other churches that, <laughs> that tend to do that, right? But there's a consequence to that, and it's not to us. Believing and understanding the word, that does us a lot of good. The trouble is, believing and understanding the word doesn't do your neighbor any good. And the whole point of God saving you and leaving you here for the years or decades of your life is not so that you can sit on the bench and run out the clock till you die and go to heaven. The reason he saved you and left you is because now he wants to train you to put into practice, put into play the things that he has given you and told you for the good of others. For instance, that, that passage from uh, 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 Exodus chapter 24. You might have noted that the people responded to the word by saying, uh, everything the Lord has said, we will study. That's a joke. He didn't say that. That's what we do. But, but they said, what, whatever the Lord has said to us, we will do. And the reason they said they're going to do it was not just to keep rules. I mean, that's, that's boring and exhausting. It's not about keeping rules. It's about taking up a lifestyle. It's about living out who we are for the good of others. That's not boring. That's not burdensome. That's fulfilling and fruitful. That's what you're saved for. And so when we see in, in uh, 1 John chapter 2, the same thing. Humanity, we're good at listening, understanding, believing, and then doing nothing. <laughs> and so John has to remind them, no, 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 no. If Jesus is in you and Jesus is in you through baptism, then the way it gets exemplified, the way it is proven, if you will, is that we walk like Jesus walked. 
We don't just study Jesus. We don't just worship Jesus. We don't just receive from Jesus. We do all that, yes. But that's simply to prepare us so that we can go out and imitate Jesus for the good of others in this community that needs us so badly. Two things about that. Since we, we got to observe and, and celebrate Katrina's baptism, uh, we, can, we can remind you of your baptism. That when you were baptized, as it says in J Romans chapter 6, when you're baptized into Christ Jesus, what that means is Christ Jesus got into you. That means, that means you're literally the body of Christ. It's not, it's not a metaphor. It's not a spiritual thought. It's a material reality. You are baptized. You got Jesus inside of you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got Jesus inside of you. They need to hear that. Now, now turn to your neighbor and, and remind them, but that doesn't mean you're Jesus. T -t Tell them that too. That doesn't mean you're Jesus. Some of you enjoyed that way too much. But Katrina has Jesus inside of her now. But Jesus doesn't say, baptize her and you're done. He says, baptize her and teach her everything I have commanded. Now, we, we turn that into 21st century uh, uh, classroom uh, thinking. Like, like you're going to sit there and study and discuss and understand and believe what he said. That's not first century rabbi thinking. First century rabbi thinking is the way you're taught is by getting up off your chair and come follow me. Let me show you how to put what I'm teaching you with my words into action because this world needs us to. We have and we have in great abundance the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the word of God, the truth of God. We have an abundance. Freely you have received. And we forget the next part. And freely we get to give. Think about it this way. This is not to make you feel bad. This is to help you wake up. St. Paul Lutheran Church has been in this community 165 years. After 165 years of God's people, full of God's love, living in this community, this community should be thoroughly transformed. It's not. You know why? Because we've been studying, discussing, believing instead of going out and then doing not to earn something, not to prove something, not to gain something, but because we have something that the folks out there need. They don't need you preaching. They don't need you bloviating. I, I love that word. I don't even know what, how to spell it, but doesn't that sound good, bloviating? What they need you to do is what he gave you to do. I know some of you, when you say, walk like Jesus walked, that, that, that freaks me out. How can I, how can I, how can I walk like Jesus? Well, this isn't about miracles. This is about lifestyle. And Jesus said, when you follow me, it's not like being a fussy Pharisee with all kinds of theological facts running around in your head. It's about like becoming like a little child. The lifestyle of Jesus is so simple, even a little child can follow it. It has to do with me watching for what the Father's already up to. You're saved by grace through faith, and this not of yourselves. It's a, it's a gift from God, not by works, lest any man should boast. That's Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Anybody knows what's right after verse 9? Verse 10. Usually someone says that. This is the most unfunny congregation I've ever been in. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, verse 10, but you know what verse 10 is? 
It says, now we are God's workmanship. That means God did all that work of gracing us and faithing us and saving us for a reason. He came into you for, for, uh, through baptism for a reason. You've been recreated in Christ Jesus. You got, you, you, got, you got you back from sin and death so you can get back in the game. You know what the game is? This is what he says, verse 10. Looking for the good the Father prepared in advance for you to do. Not about going around with a big burden like I gotta be a good boy, I gotta be a good girl. But looking around for people who need a little good in their life, that's fun. Being a reason something good happens in people's lives starting this afternoon. Being a reason something goes a little right in their life because they crossed your path, because they happen to be your neighbor, because they happen to be a co-worker, because they happen to be in the desk, in, in the classroom next to you. That each day we get to walk like Jesus walked. We get to look around, looking for folks who need a little bit of what we got. And I can't convert them. I can't convince them. I can't fix them. I can't save them. Come on, we're Lutheran. We, we, we already know we can't even save ourselves. Why would we have the burden of trying to do that for others? No, that's God's job. God's job and God's very good at doing his job. Our job is to do what? What he told us to do. Love your neighbor. And back in May, I even told you this. I said, I'm not going to tell you stuff you don't already know. What I'm, the crazy little idea I'm going to introduce is, what if we do it? Because <laughs> here's what I know. If one congregation, just one, and you've got many in this region, but if just one congregation of God's people, full of God's love, went home and started doing the one thing he gave us to do, it wouldn't take 165 years to transform this community. And it'll never get transformed if we keep doing the way we're doing it. Make sense? Nobody wants to say it makes sense. Make sense? Oh, yeah, it does. Now, the good news is we're Lutheran. So that means we can repent and get started. <laughs> Look how happy they are about this opportunity. Back in May, we told you how. We just ripped it right out of the Bible, and we invited you to start doing it. We had a discovery training uh, pastors uh, went through some good preaching and teaching. Uh, we had a training weekend, and we, we identified three things. Uh, seek the kingdom, because Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Look for what's already happening. You don't have to make it up. You don't have to manufacture it. Uh, start looking and seeing and recognizing what you're looking at. Number two, love your neighbor. And we'll talk about what that actually means in a minute. And then number three, spur each other on. Help each other out encourage each other why because everything's a little a little better when we have a little help from our friends amen amen okay we're going to get you excited yet it's now my my goal to get you a little excited that's right those three things and here's what i can tell you not only are those simple they're biblical and here's what i also know and many of you do because you started doing it that when you do what jesus gave you gives you to do it works it works. But just like in Jesus' day, we're a bunch of rookies, right? When Jesus came along in Matthew chapter 4, Peter and Andrew, James and John, they were rookies. They were really good at fishing, really good at mending nets, really good at, at running a business, no doubt. They were really good at that, but they did not know how to seek the kingdom, love their neighbor, and spur each other on. And Jesus didn't say, well, I guess I have no use for you. <laughs> but rather said, I know you don't know what you're doing, so you follow me. I will show you how. 
And that's what some of you have been doing the last six months. Now, many of you haven't. You did the whole church thing. I understand it. I believe it. Amen. See you next week. But some of you are like, hey, it does make sense. It's simple. It's biblical. And it works. Let's go give it a try. And what did you find out? What did you discover when you started seeking the kingdom, loving your neighbor, and uh, spurring each other on? Well, the first thing, like we said, is seek the kingdom. That you've been saved by Jesus, and now you're invited to be trained by Jesus. And the first thing to do is to learn how to live with a sense of anticipation and awareness. That's what Jesus did. I mean, I know we get distracted by all his miracles, but every day Jesus got up and he, he didn't really have an agenda. His only agenda was the Father's agenda. And the Father didn't download it into his phone every morning. He had to actually live a life of faith, seeking the kingdom. And he showed his disciples how to do the same. Looking for what the Father's already up to, the good he's preparing in advance for us, the people that he has placed there their neighbors, their co-workers, their fellow students. Maybe they're, they're strangers across your path too. Great. But they have been prepared and sent and God's not behind you, friends. He's like three steps ahead of you. This is not that hard for him. We just need to start believing it, looking for it, and then responding to it. And so what of those of us that have started living with more of a sense of awareness and anticipation that these people around us have not been sent simply to irritate me? <laughs> you got to admit that was a little funny. <laughs> but those very people that are irritating you, that's a little indicator light that, the, that, the, that Jesus is up to something. That instead of blending in and treating them the way everybody else treats that irritating person that we dig deep, drink deeply of that cup of grace and treat them better than they deserve... But when we start to seek the kingdom, we start anticipating that he might be up to something. Then we find out that it turns out Jesus is a busy fella. That uh, now that I know what I'm looking for, I see opportunities to join Jesus every day. In other words, I was looking at things and I didn't see them for what they were. I wasn't thinking in terms of Jesus might be up to something besides going to church on Sunday. Y'all do know that Jesus does more than go to church on Sunday. Yeah, he's a busy fella out there. But if you don't look, you won't see. You don't seek, you don't... One person knew that verse. Seek and you will... Yeah. That's not a Bible verse to memorize or think about. It's an invitation every day. Come on, let's go see what the Father's up to. It's going to be an interesting day. And so we found, when we start to look, we start to see. Reminds me of a, <clears throat> uh, an experience my wife and I had just a few years ago. At that point, we lived in Houston, Texas, and we needed to replace a vehicle. And if you're living in Houston, Texas, and I'm actually from Houston, Texas, there, when you're replacing a vehicle, there's really only one choice, right? You know what I, you know what I had my eye on, a truck. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I wish you'd have been there to talk to my wife about this. Because <laughs> I'm like, just figuring out which model of truck I want, what make of truck I want. And out of nowhere, my wife pipes up with, you know what, I think we should get a Subaru. I said, a Subaru what? She said, a Subaru, they're made with love. And I'm like, well, that, that is the dumbest thing. I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> but I, I, I've been married 30 plus years. Uh, 
But I was like, you know, sweetheart, uh, that's all great, but I don't think they actually even sell Subarus in Texas. I'm quite sure they don't sell them in Houston. All right, they, they, they have them up in Vermont, I think. I've heard they have them in Oregon. I, I know there's all kinds of people in California, and there might be a couple of Subarus in Austin, but it's only because Californians moved there. <laughs> well, we had a very adult discussion back and forth, and you probably know how it ended up. We got a Subaru. <laughs> now, here's the crazy thing. I'm driving the Subaru home from the dealership. Turns out there's a dealership like five minutes from my house. Who knew? And the very same day I'm driving home this Subaru, evidently hundreds of other people got a Subaru too. Well, what actually happened? I started seeing what I had always been looking at. Those same cars were going up the same street as me. They were going up and down the freeway with me. I just looked right through them. I didn't recognize them. I didn't even want to. I was looking for the pickup trucks. But once I had a Subaru, all of a sudden, I, I recognized what I was looking at. Well, for heaven's sakes, there's Subarus all over the place. Now, most of them were driven by old people, which did not make me feel that good. <laughs> but it turns out that, that I was finally seeing what I was looking at. Dear friends, that is your invitation from Jesus. Don't be ever seeing and not perceiving. Matthew chapter 13, you're looking right at it. Recognize what you're looking at. That person was not sent here simply to irritate you. That person was sent here because God knew you had what they needed a cool cup of water of. And by the way, it's not always irritating people. Sometimes they're just good folks that don't know what you know. Haven't experienced what you experience all the time. They don't have hope. They don't have encouragement. They don't have forgiveness. They don't have a relief for that sense of grinding guilt that puts people down further and further down. And all it takes from you is a, a smile, a word of encouragement, a little kindness, a, a cup of coffee where you're willing to listen. And you can't fix them, you can't save them, but you can love them. And through that love, God does what only God can do. And it's not like it's like shazam, it's a complete transformation in one cup of coffee. But it's begun. It's like a seed that's sown. It takes a little while to germinate. It takes a little while to set down roots and send up shoots and produce fruit. But it starts to happen when you plant the seed. And that's who we are. We're seed sowers. I don't know your life. I don't know all, the, all what's going on. But I do know this. You've been loved by God freely receive you want to see some have a much more fruitful and fulfilling fun life start freely giving and it's really simple just start looking for the folks who are already there start paying attention ask the next question seek the kingdom what's the king already up to number two that brings us to love your neighbor because now that you see this now it's just a matter of responding and once we really start to get to know the people around us, the neighbors, whether those neighbors are where we live, work, go to school, then we can start to be a way by which they start to experience what's also true for them, but they've never experienced it. Do you know that God loves every person on the face of the earth? It's not that they earn that love, it's that they need that love. And God loves every person on the face of the earth. Do you know that Jesus was sent to die and rise for every person on the earth? It's not something they earned. It's not something that they deserved. It's something we simply all needed. And there are a lot of people in this community that just don't know what they've already got. And they're living, grinding, crushing lives. 
even though they're already loved by God and already have been given the gift of Jesus? How will they know unless they experience that and they hear about it? And so what does that have to do with love your neighbor? Well, it has to do with love your neighbor. We think we love our neighbor just because we're not treating them the way we want to treat them. <laughs> that was a little funny too. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yeah, but here's a, little, here's a little insight about what Jesus means by loving your neighbor. Loving your neighbor is an action verb. It's not a fuzzy feeling. That means that the only way it counts for you loving your neighbor is if your neighbor knows they're being loved by you. <laughs> think about that the only way that loving your neighbor counts is if your neighbor knows they're being loved by you now if I accompanied you home don't worry everybody's like oh please don't I won't uh, but if I went with you home and I went to your next door neighbor knocked on their door and say you have some members of St. Paul that live right next door to you do they love you most of them will probably say something like I don't even think they know my name that means you got a little more work to do on the love thing huh now, don't be weird, don't be clingy, don't be a Jesus salesperson. Just start to become a little more curious, a little more caring about the people God's placed around you. It's not happenstance, it's not bad luck, whatever you might want to say. He put them there because he wanted them to receive in real time, simple experience, a little of what you have in abundance. And even though love may not work every time on every person, love is the only thing that works. You're ignoring them won't work. Your disapproval of them won't work. Your passive-aggressive whatever won't work. It's you caring, being curious, getting to know their name, getting to know their story, practicing hospitality, share some food, share some laughs, share some stories, and all of a sudden you'll start seeing sprouts everywhere. How do I know this? Because I work with hundreds of churches, tens of thousands of people just like you, and when they do this, it works. It's as little a mystery as when I go to farm country and they put down a seed in the spring and they get a harvest in the fall. Not one person is surprised by that. That's how it works. But you do have to get the, uh, the, the seeds in the dirt. And that's what is our next step looking for the people that God's already placed around us and stepping towards them. What's your name? What's your story? Got a little time for a cup of coffee. Got a little time for a, a coming over. We're going to have a meal. We're going to play a game. We're going to have a fire in the backyard. You're not in charge. You're not, you're not, you're not in, in control. Some of you are going to like, oh, I'm going to go on control. Um, yeah, nope. Take a deep breath. Let not your heart be troubled. He actually meant that too. Let me show you uh, uh, somebody you might remember. Remember him? Mr. Rogers? That's all we're really talking about. Now, I'm not saying you need to be like a made-up character on PBS. Mr. Rogers actually made up his character based on a follow being a follower of Jesus. And like somebody once said, I switched from ignoring my neighbor to being curious and caring with my neighbor. That's when, when that person was sharing that with me. I was like, ah, that sounds like Mr. Rogers. And here's what we know, whether it's from the fictional uh, stories of Mr. Rogers or more importantly, the daily realities of people doing this, loving your neighbor works. Not loving your neighbor doesn't. <laughs> and after 165 years, you got proof of that. 
So here's a vi video that kind of gives you a, a way of pulling all this together and how simple it can be to start seeing things come alive. Let's watch. a Canadian thing? Not really. It's actually a biblical thing, friends. We just stopped doing it. So instead of seeing that kind of thing spreading through every neighborhood, every apartment complex, every, every corner of the county, we don't see that so much. Why? Because the Christians stopped practicing hospitality. Within the context of hospitality, sharing some food, sharing some laughs, sharing some stories, that's how Jesus changed Galilee. And that's how we get to be a part of him changing, well, not just uh, Westlake, but wherever he's already put us. Why does Jesus say love your neighbor? Because it works. And last but not least, for those of you really nervous about how long this is going, you have hope. Last but not least, spur one another on. That's something that, again, uh, is, is uh, uh, something that is woven throughout the New Testament. Everything goes better with a little help from our friends. And we have become this uh, hyper-individualistic society that surprisingly doesn't work. 
And yet when we have decided that we really do want to become a people that are seeking the kingdom and loving our neighbor so that then Jesus has what Jesus needs to work through from him, but to us, through us, to the people around us, that we need a little help from our friends to spur each other on, to remind each other, to ask how it's going, to encourage each other. I like to kind of think of it in terms of, well, let me, let me, let me ask this. Quick show of hands. How many of you have ever had the urge to start re exercising regularly? Yeah, yeah. And then what happened? You took a deep breath, and thankfully the urge passed, right? Yeah. And anyone that has gone from the urge to actually exercising, it's usually because they had a little help from a friend. Someone that was willing to ring the doorbell at 7 a.m. so you didn't turn over and turn off the alarm clock, but get out and get moving. Everything is, works better with a little help from a friend. And that's what we said we need to do too. It's woven into the New Testament. Why did Jesus have 12 people? Well, you can say, oh, it's all biblical and 12 tribes, and maybe that's all true. But I know this, they need a little help from their friends. And in every community then, whether it was Jesus practicing or accepting hospitality, but then when we read the letters of Paul, we read, read the letters of Peter, we, we read the, the letter written by the, uh, the, the letter to the Hebrews, and, and throughout that, it's reminding them, practice hospitality. And I'm quite sure Peter was actually writing to a group of Lutherans because he added practice hospitality and don't grumble about it. <laughs> oh, that was funny. You got to come on. That really is what Peter said to those that were reading his letter. So being able to do that and, 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 and to spur each other on in that, right, uh, it, it, it works. And those of us that started doing it, uh, we gave you a little tool called the Take 10 Conversation which literally simply means, it's from Hebrews 10, right? That it says, let us consider how we may spur each other on to love and good works. Why? Because our neighbor, neighbors need us to. And so uh, take 10 is taking ten, that, that practice from Hebrews 10 and then just take 10 minutes at the beginning of a meal at home or before a meeting or a rehearsal or a Bible study here at church and to begin to ask the questions. Hey, what are you seeing when you're looking? Who are you meeting? What are your neighbor's uh, stories? How's it going starting to spend a little time with them, practice hospitality with them? You see, when we, when, we, when we ask each other the right questions, we start talking about the right things. And it's not that there are wrong things. You can talk about whatever you want, about, but isn't it interesting that the people of God never get around to talking about what's going on out there, right? We study, we discuss, we have abstract thoughts. But how can we support each other as we're actually looking and loving? And sometimes it's fun and simple, and sometimes it's simple but not so fun. And for those of us that have been doing that, we've learned that it turns out joining Jesus is indeed a team sport. That on our own, we get distracted, or we get discouraged, or we just get a bad attitude. And we go back to normal. And that doesn't affect our salvation one bit. You're saved by Jesus. But you know who is affected by you going back to normal? Your neighbors, your co-workers, this community. And so what we want to do is simply help each other to have those conversations that help us reflect and talk about what's really going on. The good, the bad, 
the misses, the, the mess ups. What did we learn? What's next? It's how any other, uh, it's how we are trained in any other thing. And so we've been doing that. And it's been extremely helpful to keep us with that priority and that intentionality of not saving the community, but loving our neighbor and seeing what God does from God to us, through us, to the people around us. So what's next? Well, it's called launch. That's why we're here. You've had some more good teaching from your pastors and your teachers uh, on, on how to show one another. Those of you that have gained some experience, you're still not uh, you know, uh, seasoned veterans, but you're no longer uh, raw rookies. You got some stories. You got some experiences. You can share what's been going on, what you've been seeing, what you've been experiencing, and showing others how they can start to take their little baby steps. That is the essence of what discipleship is according to Jesus. Come follow me. Let me show you. And so we're going to, you're going to be hearing about this, about you being invited to get with some other folks that are just like you that may even meet right in your neighborhood, other members of St. Paul. And being able to talk about what you're seeing and, and support each other as you're starting to, to, to recognize and, and start to be a little more intentional about loving. To spur each other on. And not only will your neighbor be benefited by this, you will be. You'll not gain some extra favor or blessing from God, by no means, but you'll finally start experiencing what the Bible has invited you into all along. Not just being bored and going to church every Sunday. Not that they're bored going to this church on Sunday. That came out wrong. Uh, not simply living a life of abject boredom and occasionally going to church. But living a fruitful, fulfilling life. Because we're not only understanding what Jesus says, believing what Jesus says, singing about Jesus says, but doing. Doing what Jesus says and seeing this community start to respond because of it that's fun friends that's more than what we've been settling for and it's so simple even a child could do it come follow me Jesus said Paul said follow my example as I follow the example of Christ Hebrews 13 7 says take note of your fellow members uh, way of life the outcome of their way of life. Let me see if I can butcher that anymore. Take note of the outcome of their way of life. So by hanging out together in our neighborhoods with each other and, 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 and telling the stories and hearing about the experiences, we can start imitating one another and get better at this thing called joining Jesus on his mission. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross and rise again to save us from sin, death, and the power of the devil. But now that he has saved us, and for many of us that has been decades now, he, he is still calling and still desires to train us, to be putting into use, gaining experience and skill in, in seeking the kingdom and loving our neighbor and spurring each other on. Thank you for never giving up on us and every morning inviting us. And Lord, we know you've been enabled us now and so it's time to do it by your power yes but to get up off our chairs and to join jesus we thank you for it and we pray for it in his name amen